Hello, and welcome to season four of the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. This is the first episode of season four, and we're delighted to once again be bringing you more of the brightest minds in the marketing science space. In episode one, we welcome Jamie Grabitz, Director of Media at Dean Houston. Jamie has so much knowledge to share about data-driven marketing strategies, and I'm sure that you will take a lot away from what she's had to say in this episode. I started things off by asking Jamie what people or companies actually mean when they say they are data-driven. Realistically, I mean, and, and let's let's talk in simple terms today, right? Because we talk in media terms, we talk in um, marketing terms and sales terms, and we have all these acronyms for all these things. So we're just going to like lay it out there very simply and neatly for everybody so that we're all on the same page. Um, but for us, um, really, really, when you when you study data science and, and becoming a, a data-driven um, marketing agency, media company, organization in any form, it's really the application of data um, and what you're what you're bringing in, how you're processing it, and then how you're utilizing it to make business goals or business decisions. Um, you know, define your your goals and objectives. How do how does marketing align with that? How does sales align with that? And then production. And so it's really about you know taking all of those data points and using them to make uh, decisions that are in the best interest of the organization. So when a, a marketing, so a lot of our listeners will be marketers, when they're mm-hmm. starting off with putting together or developing a data-driven strategy, how important is it to be involved with sales, uh, directors, key, uh, key decision makers, the, the wider team? How, is, how important is that? Oh, it's critical. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, when you, when you set up your, your data, uh, your data science platform or how you, however you want to manage your data science or your data, um, you have to have all of everyone's buy-in, right? You need all of those things. What we see is, you know, if, if I'm talking to a group of marketers, the biggest obstacle that we all face is ROI. It is that, that missing data point that allows us to define what, does our, what really is ROI, right? Um, so from that standpoint, it's like if we don't have sales buy-in and we're not communicating with them, we don't know. The, the activity that marketing is is doing, how is that resonating with the, the people who are actually buying the product, right? How are those touch points in the buyer's journey? How are all of those those things, whether it be print, digital, a billboard, radio, whatever it may be, a webinar, uh, whatever it may be, how are all of those touch points impacting sales? You know, we know there's there've been numerous studies done and we know that it takes at least six to eight uh, digital touch points before someone will move into the decision phase, right? Where they actually want to talk to a person, not just a bot or not just through email, but they really want to have that that interpersonal um, uh, kind of communication, right? Where it's okay. Now, what what do I really need for this? What's the cause? What are the benefits? You know, they want to go over all of that, but it's those digital touch points, and and so to get there, you need that buy-in from sales. You need to communicate with sales and say, okay, here's what we're doing, but we need you to close that loop for us. We need you to tell us what resulted in a sale, you know, what region it's in, um, what, if they can tell you who the organization is so that you know, you know, okay, they're focused in biopharma, they're focused in semiconductors, or they're focused in EVs. 
Um, you know, so it's, it's the buy-in from everybody. And then at the top, having a really clear communication and understanding of what the overall business objectives and goals are, you know, because that's ultimately marketing is what helps link sales to those goals, those goals, sales to the, to the business goals. Right. So, so that's kind of like what we, why we need everybody working together, not in necessarily in silos or not saying, okay, well, I'm sales, so I want to have this information over here. I'm marketing, so I'm going to silo my information here. Okay, well, here we're going to let you guys know this is what we ultimately want to get to. Okay, but what are the timelines? What are the milestones? What are we seeking at each level or at each stage, at each goal? And so those are the things where, you know, data science can be applied and, and we can really work together uh, to, to maximize what the data is even saying or to, to maximize the impact. So at what stage should a company think about having a data scientist full-time or bringing one in, uh, working with an agency? At what stage are we looking at? Are we all small-sized businesses, medium-sized? What sort of what sort of point are we looking at? I think definitely for medium and large businesses, data science is going to be critical. But when should a small business bring one in? I think it depends on the business and, and the size of the small business. You know, I mean, small businesses define differently um, in different markets, I mean, you know, is it is it a ten person operation? Is it a hundred person operation? Is it a hundred and fifty person operation? And what type of industry are you serving? You know, what type of activity are you doing? Are you a, a manufacturing widgets? Are you a marketing company? Are you, you know, what what type of industry are you in? I think that's a good place to start because you know a lot of small businesses can use like a, a Tableau or a Microsoft BI or Adobe. Uh, to kind of manage that, manage that data, you know, initially and and everything. But um, you know, as you as you scale, you definitely need data scientists because you're generating that much more data. I read a study um, a couple of days ago, and it said that uh, 2.5 million terabytes of data are being generated daily, and that's a lot of data. But it said, when you stop and think about it, you know, people who are connected, so that's most of us, right? Most of the people definitely on this webinar, most of the people um, in the world that are in, you know, first or second world companies, especially, or countries, I'm sorry, um, you know, we're generating at least as individuals, that's not in our day job, but as individuals, whether it be through social channels, um, the photos that we take and the metadata that's stored there, um, you know, whether it be whatever it is, we're generating on average 1.7 megabytes of data a, a second. And so, you know, when you stop and think about it, knowing who those people are, where they're located, what they're interested in, you know, all of those things make it so important for us to have a data scientist, someone who's dedicated uh, to learning. You know, my job is not necessarily data science, although that is largely what my role has become. Um, you know, as, as the director of media for a marketing agency, I, you know, generate our, our department generates probably uh, the among the most, if not the most data in, in the entire organization, because we have ads on every platform known to man. We have digital ads, we have television, linear television, so basic, you know, your regular television. Uh, we have billboards, we have radio ads through apps, we have in-app ads, we have uh, OTT, CTV. I mean, it's insane the amount of data that we create, you know, just to be able to, to target. And we use that data to target effectively, to segment audiences. And, 
you know, it's like tactically we have multiple departments in our agency and we're full service. So we have, we cover the full gamut, right? So we have web, we have uh, creatives, we have, she's uh, production. We have a demand gen team that focuses on like lead gen and CRM management. And, you know, and then we have our media team. And so we have all of these things that, that we gen- are generating leads. And it's like, you know, so we collaborate and it's like, Hey, I see this in PPC. Great. Okay. So we want to change how we're structuring this message. Okay. Well, that means we need to bring in our content team, right? Because then the content of the message. So it's all of these things work in tandem. And so it, it and I know that the original question was, you know, well, when should we bring somebody in? Well, it really just depends, you know, on what you're doing and, and what your end game is. And it, everything ties back into those goals and objectives. And it's just a phenomenal amount of data when you, when you put it like that, isn't it? Did you say 1.7 uh, gigabytes per person? Megabyte? Megabytes per second. Per second. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I get a headache just looking at a single spreadsheet, a single campaign spreadsheet. So I can only imagine <laughs> what, uh, what your day-to-day looks like. Um, you touched on it a little bit then. So you've got all the all the teams. So you've got the data from this campaign and this campaign. How can you take that and put together effective storytelling? Or how can marketers take those, that data and put together effective storytelling that's going to help brands to tell their message to their audience? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, first of all, we need to define the difference between reporting and storytelling. Um, because reporting is basically, here's the numbers, here's what it says. And, you know, a lot of times that's what ends up happening, right? Everybody's in a hurry. Here's the data. Here's what it says. Um, but for it to be really, truly effective, um, it has to, data has to tell a story. And through that, what you do is you create a narrative, right? Um, of, okay, so I see these data points. And this is where data science becomes so important because I see these data points and I'm like, okay, there's something missing from this that's causing, you know, I see A, but the end result is C. What's going on with B for us to equal C, right? So that's why sharing that information and having that, that is important. But ultimately, the ability to, to tell a, a story with data is, is ultimately how you manage up. Because what it does is it's, it's here's what the data told us from all of these angles. And here's what we need to do moving forward, right? Here's the story, here's what happened, here's what we here's what we did, here's why it happened this way. Now, here's what we know based on historical data or industry trends. So here's what we're going to do moving forward. And at the end of the day, having that full picture and being able to narrate that and then sprinkling in just really critical or, or kind of just like I, I shared with you, you know, the 1.7 megabytes a second, sprinkling in those types of data points um, lends credence to it, right? It, it solidifies the, the argument, so to speak. And it's funny, you know, I've taken all these classes in data science and the very first, one of the very first books or, or subjects that you start discussing is arguments. Is you know, using data, ultimately what you're doing is writing, think back to your, your college or university days, ultimately what you're doing is writing a position paper. And so if you look at data science like that, then you're like, oh, okay, so I need, I, this is what I need to do. I need it to tell this story. And here's how. And what you also have, I, I have several clients and, and my clients amuse me. I, I enjoy spending time with all of them. I love talking to them. They make me smarter. Um, some of them make me a better person, you know, outside of the office even too, because we've become friends. 
Um, but, you know, what they challenge us with is I might have a, a report or, or my type team might have, you know, a data story to tell. And, and we might be having those discussions with them as a matter of fact, planning one of those. Um, and what I know is that there's going to be five different people on this call from the client side. And all five of them have a different function within the organization. They have a different, you know, they're focused on different aspects of the business. So the way that we tell the data story has to align all five of those points so that all five of them understand their role in the story and how each other, how they can benefit each other, how they can help each other moving forward. So. Yeah. Is, is there ever a danger that say I have a, I'm a marketer, I have this hypothesis that I want to prove to anyone else. Is there a danger that I could manipulate that data to, to get my point across without, with, whilst disregarding what the data might be saying elsewhere? Yeah. And that, that's a great point. Um, you know, that's, my biggest thing is I like clean data, you know, um, and, and we utilize, I was just on a call the other day and we were talking about data. And so, um, you know, one of my coworkers says, okay, so if we want to give you this parameter and stuff, because we're trying, we're, we're discussing building some buyer personas. Um, and so we're, you know, we've, we're giving you these data, but we want to target this audience because this is what we think. And the guy said, no, no, no. And I'm kind of sitting back smiling because I already know the answer to this question. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to let him take his lumps from somebody else. But, you know, he said, no, just give us the raw data. We want to feed this into the engine. Just give us the raw data and, you know, let it tell you the decision. Then you can make the decision, you know, if this is the area that you want to go, if this is the audience you want to target or not. And, you know, that's, that is one of the things is like, that's the value of having the raw data. Now, a lot of people don't have um, data scientists, you know, there's a lot of times we still manage a lot of our data. Uh, we use a lot of, of third party tools, but there are a lot of times where we still manage data through Excel and Google Sheets or Google Data Studio. And so, you know, we still have to, to, what we consider scrub data, right? So that we're making sure that apples and oranges are lining up in the right, you know, that we're comparing apples to apples, oranges to oranges and things like that. And, and so, you know, what you have to be mindful of is allowing those biases, right? That's a cognitive biases. I think this, so I want my data to align to this. And it, it, again, it goes back to a position paper. If that's really the direction you think you want to go, then yeah, you can easily slant data. You can make data say whatever you want it to say. But if you really want to get smarter, feed your raw data into to those engines, you know, to Python, to R, to Tableau, to whatever, you know, system that you're using. Put the raw data in there and let the data tell you. You know, as, as a, someone who, who was a former, former journalist, I used to tell rookie journalists, don't come in here and tell me this is what, this is what happened when you've never read a, a meeting minute, you've never attended this, you're just spe speculating. Do your homework, form your hypothesis off of that, and then find the data points that either prove or disprove, but be open-minded to both. And so, you know, that's the thing is, is our CEO tells the story. It's like, you know, I can entertain two different ideas, the idea that I have and the idea, the, the conflicting idea, right? And I have to find out, I have to figure it out, right? I have to find the data points that are like, okay, which is right? A lot of times it's somewhere in the middle, but you know, that's the, the issue that you run into too, is a lot of people want to take data and, you know, 
kind of use it to just back up their story with, or back up the narrative that they're creating versus, okay, what's really going on here? And so, um, you know, that's one thing that, that I love about the team that I manage is we don't do that. First of all, we don't have time. We generate so much data. We don't have time to like go out and say, yeah, this is, no, I, I just want to see it. I want to see how it's all working. I want to see how it's flowing together. And then we'll, we'll make decisions from that or make recommendations and suggestions to the client from that. But I don't want to skew the data one way or another to suit my personal biases because they may not be the same as the client goals and objectives. And that's why having clear business and marketing goals and objectives is critical and making sure that your data strategy as you're planning that out lines up with those goals. You touched a little bit on your team then. How, if you're a head of marketing or head of media like yourself, how how do you go about finding the right balance between sort of analytical, data-driven thinkers, creative uh, and creatives? Can they can people be both, or do you need to get a nice a nice balance between the two? Um, you know that's that's a great question, and and my team is um, all very what we would consider to be very type A. Um, they're very detail oriented. Um, they're very you know data data driven data, but they do have a creative side. Um, outside of the office, they're very creative in different things. Um, you know, a couple of them are, you know, dabble in social media. They're, they're brand ambassadors, um, for social media or for companies that advertise in social media. Um, and some of that, you know, ties back into their work because they want to understand how that works because we do those types of things. Um, some of it is just for fun. Some of them paint, some of them do music. They, they all have other creative pursuits outside of that. Um, but at Dean Houston, you know, I, I said, my office is right next door to our vice president of creative. And, um, you know, he'll ask, he'll ask the questions, how did this do? Um, you know, and so we, while we are a creative group, we might make recommendations, right? Uh, we're, we're a data analytical kind of driven piece of, of the, the organization, but we do use that to help inform creative, right? We, we use that. We share what we know with our content team. Hey, we see these terms performing really well or these targeted markets performing really well because, you know, these were the words that we focused on or, or things like that, you know, so we, we do share that with our, with our more, our, our people who are responsible, so to speak, for, for more of the creative, but we do help with a lot of those types of decisions and, and we do have those inputs. Yeah. And is the response usually, do you get a receptive response from the creative team when you say, look guys, we've got this, these data points, we think this can enhance your creative How's the, how does that conversation usually go? We have to tiptoe. Um, they're, <laughs> they're great people. They're great people, but you know, creatives are creatives. Um, I'm a creative at heart too. I'm, I'm a 50, 50 left, right, left brain, right brain. Um, so I'm creative at heart too. And I get it. Um, you know, no one wants to, to tell you how to create something, but we do, we, we give gentle suggestions. Um, and to aid in that, a lot of times what we'll do is, um, we'll buy into marketing packages or ad packages that have surveys tied with them um, where it's, it's a survey of the creative and the marketing message and those types of things. And so we'll report back to them. And we also use that, you know, as a guide. Um, so, so there again, we're creating more data points, right? Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a look at those surveys and we actually do some surveys year over year so we can monitor that. And it, it was phenomenal because we went from being a, occasionally communicating about the data 
uh, that we're receiving on these ads to a constant, hey guys, this is kind of the feedback that we're getting. Um, so, you know, if you guys want to apply that, that's great. If not, you guys know you work with the client every day, you know, you know what, what the client's seeking, but we just wanted to, to share this information with you. And when we started doing more of that, they started to, to kind of change the messaging or change the creative or, you know, and we went from ranking, you know, eighth in some creative areas for one client all the way to first and just blowing away everyone else in the survey um, by utilizing those data points and by sharing that data across channels. So it can be done. You can have uh, civilized, civilized discussions about data and creative and not. You, not yeah, that. I mean, you can, you know, it, it's really, Danny, it's, it's about this, right? It's about how you engage, how you interact with other people. And at the very end of the day, data storytelling, data analysis on a human level is all about the human. You know, it's the human, data storytelling is the humanization of data. And it, that's really what it's about. You know, at the end of the day, we're trying to put out a message or share information um, to make an industry smarter or potential customer smarter or each other smarter, um, you know, trying to find new uses for things. You know, who knows, one of our clients um, pumps or a technical product in some way or a gas nozzle or something along that line could ultimately, the technology behind those things could lead to a cure for cancer, could lead to, you know, we, we don't know what it could lead to. Uh, one of our clients, you know, started, uh, is now part of a process or is used in manufacturing biopharma. Um, so we know that in vaccine production, you know, so so how these pumps are used, how these different systems, how these products are used that our clients um, use, it's it, maybe we're do, utilizing the data to come in and say, okay, here's a maybe a new product we need to develop. Or here's a, a new use or a new market for this product, um, you know. And, and so we're we're able to utilize our data that way. But it's through data sharing, it's through the democratization of data of data, um, you know. And having that that strategy in place to be able to really truly utilize all of the mass information that you're you're collecting. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Jamie. I wanted to move on to uh, another a different subject, and that is data monetization. Um, before I ask you a question, perhaps you could give a brief description about what data monetization is to you. Yeah, so for me, data monetization is, is really, and, and I think most people would agree, um, but you know, data monetization really is how can you use the activity to generate revenue? How can you use the data that you have to generate revenue? Very simply, you know, um, for for a media company, for example, it's seeing, you know, wow, people are really engaging with this topic. Maybe we need to have a newsletter about that. Maybe we need to do have a content or article about it or, you know, have a webinar. Um, maybe it's, you know, hey, we're seeing all these engagements. We're only sending this newsletter out once a week, but maybe we should do it twice a week because so many, you know, advertise, a lot more advertisers want to get in this because they're seeing high engagement rates. You know, so for you, that would be, you know, those would be some ideal situations where you could potentially do it. But now for us, it's, you know, we're creating, we can monetize data by um, like CRM management, right? Saying, hey, you have all of these leads um, that you're generating and you don't really have a way, you're tracking these in, uh, in 
Google or maybe through just through in your email and you're just responding randomly to emails, um, you know, let us help you set up a HubSpot or some kind of CRM system. You know, so it's the the implementation, the development of new services on both your end, on our end. Um, it's new product development. I know one of the things that we kind of started doing as a result of um, all the, the data that we're generating is we're being able to see clear paths, right, and determine by your journey. So when we talk about top of funnel, which is, you know, brand awareness and those types of things, what do we need to do? What's the most effective? When we're talking about um, middle of the funnel, okay, now we're getting into more of the white papers and, the, and you know, that more drilled down content. We get into the decision phase and, okay, now what do we need for that? So we develop a new product or a new offering to be able to target that that particular segment of the journey. So, you know, and, and then, of course, there's just, you know, buyer personas. So what we've now done is we've kind of formed a, a data strategy team um, in our agency that we actually are able to um, utilize both the data that we have on a, on a historic or that we're generating by the second um, and marry that with industry data that we get from our, from our partnerships um, with media companies, with associations, with um, government entities and things like that. And we're developing buyer personas. So it's a, it's a new service department that we have created right, to be able to do that. So that's kind of how marketing agencies, you know, can use data. That, those are just a couple of areas, really. Um, we use it to change the, like, pivot on strategies. We're like, hey, you know what? If we, we're looking at this data and we feel like you could invest more in this channel. So then, you know, that creates additional investment, both for us from a, you know, time and material standpoint, but also, you know, or if you don't do time and materials, if you have a markup on those types of things or a commission based, um, however, you know, your agency is structured from a compensation standpoint. But, you know, we, we do all of those things, um, you know, now. And so when we say we're full service, literally, we can run the gamut. We can just touch on one of those points you just brought up then about the buyer personas. How many, how many data points do you need to start developing buyer personas? What's the process that you go through when you're working with a client there? So for buyer personas, the process really depends, again, on kind of the end game. Are we targeting, are we looking to target a specific market? Is this just a general... Like we have some clients that have one or two personas. We have some clients that have 10 um, for the different markets. So really it's defining that goal um, and objective of what you, who do you want to target or, or what markets are we going after? So then, um, you know, you, you start looking at your internal data it, and it really starts with like your Google analytics or something like that. Like how are people engaging with our website? How are they engaging with the content? Look at who, the, who are they? You know, what can we glean from what we see here? Um, you know, having tracking, and I know we're going to, we'll probably talk about this in a minute because this is something that everyone asks about. Um, but how can tracking and, and all of that, you know, with all the changes in regulations, um, how, you know, how can you continue to be able to do that and, and still get the information that you need to be able to build these things? And you'd be surprised. Um, you know, this is where having solid partnerships with your association, being very active members in your associations um, is critical because they have those data points or they'll do those surveys for those opt-in users. And you can really, you know, put those to work too. Um, and it, it also goes back to, you know, a question you asked me a few minutes ago about, um, you know, can data be manipulated to, to suit a need? Yeah, I can. 
Um, but it can also be used, you know, in, in its native state um, to, to help create things like buyer personas, you know, because that raw data is critical. And you, that's where you can kind of, you know, do a regression modeling and you can see where your outliers and your deltas are. And, and so, you know, you can say, okay, well, I want to be up here. What did we do to get that result up there versus the, the actual trend line, right? So, you know, those are kind of things that, that we look at from a persona standpoint is, you know, we look at the, the usual, but we look at the outliers because if the outliers have a better um, result or a higher sales, you know, total, then maybe that, maybe this line isn't necessarily one where we want to play. We want to shift that a little bit. Um, so, so how do those people, where do those people all line up? Or maybe we're looking at two different personas here. So, you know, it's, it's all about, um, you know, just you start with your, what we call zero party or first party data, right? Start with what you know from your users. If you have a CRM, fantastic. Make friends with your sales department. Learn more about where's your greatest number of sale, sales coming from. Like one thing that we notice is, so we have a lot of clients um, in the oil and gas industry. Um, we have some EV players and those kind of things too, but we have a lot of um, oil and gas just because 30 years ago, that's when we were, uh, our organization always founded. That's kind of, you know, oil and gas was the biggest energy driver there. Um, but you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, what we start to see is too. So you have, let's say you have a large um, oil and gas refining uh, organization, right? But then you start to look and you also have these little peripheral businesses, right? That are in clusters around the larger organization. And so those create little niche target markets. So are those personas or do they have some generalities that we can, can look at so that we're not having to be quite as pinpointed on things and we can get a larger message out there you know is it about the reach is it about the frequency is it about the target is it about the quality of the engagement when you start with first party data every company no matter what size they are startup multinational they've all got some sort of first party data so if you're listening to this and you're thinking well i need to have thousands and thousands of data points to to make any sort of decisions that's not what you're saying, if I've understood you completely well today, Jamie. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. You know, if you have a handful of good data points that you can use to, to monetize something, to, to tell a story, I, I literally do this. Um, I, whenever I ask for something from leadership, I go to them with a handful of data points. No more than that, right? Because I don't want them to get bogged down in the details. But go to them with, I have these five data points that are going to back up why I need this or why, you know, this is going to be critical to my department. And whenever I take that approach, I, I'm never told no. And I do the same thing. I teach, I train my department to do that with clients. Do not take them an idea. Don't take them anything like that, that you haven't one researched, two isn't data backed because they're going to ask you that. Well, how do you know? And why should I, why should we do this? Why should we care? Right. If you can answer the how and the why, the clients will almost always but say, yes, let's do it because they have to be able to answer those questions. And if you can tell them that, you know, and, and that's where the first party data comes into play. You know, I went to the, to my um, team and I said, Hey, I need a bigger team. I went to, to my managers and I said, I need a bigger team. And I'm holding that papers and I'm looking at how many hours my team is working. And I'm like, they're like, Oh, wow. 
you know, because our team is it's just phenomenal, um, both in not just our media team. I mean, I, I really work with some of what I would consider to be some of the most talented people in the world. Um, and so, you know, to, to be able to do that and, and everything, you know, they're very smart and, and they're very data driven. Like I said, you know, we are a very data driven agency. Um, and so, you know, just to be able to do that with them and, and to say, okay, decision making, here you go. Here's the five data points you need. Yep. You're good. Let us know, you know, when you're ready to kick off this job hunt, we'll get it, we'll get it going. Or if you need to implement this tool, you know, okay, how is it going to, how are we going to monetize it? How are we going to pay for it? You know, so I have to have those data points in alignment um, to be able to show them how I'm going to demonetize, how we're going to use this tool. So, you know, it, it all ties back into the, to the data strategy. And so I know that, you know, at each facet of my job and whatever I'm doing, I have to have strategic data points that align back to those goals, to that end game that I'm trying to achieve. And we have already touched very briefly on um, legislation and privacy, but this is obviously going to become more more of a not an issue issue is the wrong word but it's become more prominent in our day-to-day lives as marketers um Mm -hmm. should marketers advertisers we're going to see an increase in privacy and tracking legislation should we see that as a good or a bad thing i think you know it's both um from a from a human standpoint you know the fact that our legislators care that our data is not being sold out there you know especially with all of the fraud and the the identity theft that's going on in today's society, right? Because we have all of these digital capabilities and, and tools and things. Um, you know, I, I think that the fact that our, our leaders are trying to protect us in those aspects, in, in those ways, um, is a good thing for us on a human standpoint. And, but, you know, on the other side of that, you know, uh, as individuals, we have to know what we're signing up for. I, I don't know of a single person who honestly reads the, the terms and conditions of an app that they sign up for. I know I don't, and I know the risks. Um, you know, I don't think anyone pays attention to that. So on some level, at, we're responsible for that. Um, but also, you know, for those things that we can't control, um, you know, the hackers and that kind of stuff, um, I, I do think that not having the ability or, or organizations not having that ability to, to be able to, really drilling on us that much um, is not a, is a good thing. Um, as a marketer, it's a struggle. Um, what we did is um, we don't necessarily put tracking pixels on uh, on, on our ads. Uh, I'm sure we do some tracking on landing pages and things, but we always have the opt-ins. We always have the language on the page that says, hey, do you allow us to put these cookies? Do you allow us to do this? Um, so that we're GDPR compliant, we're California regulation compliant, and then as you know, others, uh, regions, nation states adopt, um, you know, we're compliant with those things as well. We do monitor that and, and pay attention to those things for both us and for our clients regularly. Um, but I do think that you know, you just have to be smarter about how you do it. You have to be more strategic. Uh, for the last five years, we've used UTM codes, for example, for any digital ads that we place so that we can track it back to the campaign, track it back to the tactic, to the publication, um, you know, however we're doing it. We want to make sure that we're able to do, to attri- to do handle attribution, essentially, um, and, and help to find that ROI so that when we do work with sales, then we can see, you know, see what the, the real impact of that is. But from a, you know, is it good, bad? You know, I, I think it depends. And... I just think that, you know, we just need to be smarter and, and start testing now. 
you know, if you start to see, we know that the legislation is only going to get tighter on these things, but start, start finding ways that you're going to be able to do that, whether it be through, you know, landing pages where you ask questions of people, like ask for your email address and ask them one or two questions that, um, you know, you could use for a persona or you could use for targeting or something like that, you know, where you're collecting that quantifiable data, um, you know, and, and that's the other piece too is, you know, it's it's a it's a balance it really is you know there's the human side there's the marketing side that says i want to have these killer you know roi and ctrs you know their their engagement rates i want them to be really high and i want my cost per click and my cost per lead to be low hey we all want that um but at, at what point you know is it like yeah we're stepping on toes here it, I, i'll tell you kind of a funny story so i'm sitting with my family um eating dinner and uh, we were talking about some just random things at dinner. And all of a sudden, um, my sister picks up her phone and she starts looking through some social media channels. And she goes, wait a minute, I haven't shopped for that. I haven't looked at that before. We were just talking about this 30 seconds ago. And now I'm getting served this ad, right? And, and I kind of had to laugh. And she looks at me and she goes, do you do that? And I said, yes, but I promise I only use my powers for good. And... You know, it's because, you know, we do do that targeting, but but we're very selective in how we do it, right? It's not, we try not to do those in, in intrusive ways. But yeah, I mean, I think every marketer pretty much right now does retargeting or remarketing of some kind, you know, um, whether it be through, um, like in the States we have, um, and I'm sure you have them in the UK too, but we have like smart TVs. Um, and we have um, different app channels. Like I think my team subscribes to all of them. So we have Disney Plus and Paramount and all this. So it's fun for me to be watching, you know, a ball game of some kind of football or soccer, um, and and see, you know, one of my clients' ads come up. And um, you know, it's because I'm I'm in that targeted demographic based on my search history or because of what I'm watching or what I'm doing, you know. But but we need to to utilize those data points while we can and and get smarter at how we're doing it and how we're tracking, you know, um, the Super Bowl here in, in the States was a big thing a couple of weekends ago. And the the one ad that seemed to just really outperform had a QR code on it, very simply on this commercial. So all you had to do is walk up to your TV, you know, take, hold up your camera and it opened it up. And, you know, doing things like that, being smarter with how we market, add QR codes to a print ad, that, you know, or that becomes, that either stays print or becomes a PDF, you know, a lot of, publications are now posting their um their magazines in pdf form on on different websites and so you know having those those different channels available um there are ways that we can still collect the data we just have to be smart and strategic about it yeah it's like having the angel and devil on your shoulders saying part of you is the normal person who thinks okay well my my personal data to be well looked after but then the marketing side of you is thinking but I want to get this. I want to be able to prove this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's that fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And Jamie, I wanted to, I mean, that's all the questions I had now, but I just wanted to ask you a bit about, uh, well, a couple of things. Any tools that you would recommend people who are getting started in data science or if they're marketers and they're starting to dabble in it a bit more, any tools you'd recommend for getting started with that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, your tools should kind of like, be in alignment with what your skills are, right? So if you're somebody that's just starting out, um, doesn't really have a data science strategy yet, I would encourage you, first of all, 
Um, I know LinkedIn has some free classes that you can take to just kind of un- have a better understanding. Um, a lot of the local colleges and universities also offer them. Um, a lot of media partners and, and watch some webinars. Um, you know, I follow a lot of um, data science um, podcasts and uh, sign up for like all of the webinars. And so I listen to them in the car uh, as I drive to and from work a lot of times. Um, you know, I did uh, or do programs with um, colleges like MIT, um, where it's like I did a marketing data certification program. Um, so that I had a better understanding um, of how I can, how we can utilize uh, data in our organization, and, and everyone in our organization puts those skills to test to the test. Um, so, so first of all, start with the learning. Um, learn what you want. Identify your goals and objectives, and then find the tools that do that. You know, I'm I'm a little further down the line, so I'm able to use like JSON and. Python and R and some of those tools um, and, and those um, open source type of um, things. But, you know, use a Microsoft uh, BI, use Adobe. Uh, they all, they come with, they have platforms that, that will help you with data intelligence. Uh, Tableau is great. Use A lot of your CRMs will have um, capabilities that maybe you haven't tapped into yet. Um, and then talk to your vendors and have them walk you through how to set it up. If you're paying that kind of money for something, your vendor should meet you halfway and teach you how to use it. Um, that's something that, that we will always do when we bring in a new vendor is, okay, here's going to be the people that are going to be using it. Train them on what they need to know to get started. You know, and then tinker. Set up test cases. Now, be mindful and label them effectively so that you know they, you're not contaminating your actual data. Um, but kind of do those in a separate silo and train yourself on how to do it before you start really rolling into it. Um, you know, and then all else fails, good old Microsoft. Um, you know, Microsoft and Google Sheets, I think we'd be lost without those. So, you know, do, do that. But but also, you know, you feel, feel free to, like, just find things that work for you. You know, BIs work on, or tools work on algorithms and, and mathematics and, and all of that. And, you know, it can get pretty complicated in a hurry. So find a tool that makes that, that makes it work for you and, and be sure and, and that it has some type of visualization uh, capability so that you can look at data in a hurry when you have to and, and make decisions like that. Yeah. And then, Jamie, final question, because I've taken up a lot of your time and we really appreciate it. Um, you speak so passionately about data science how did you get to this point where you are today? Can you talk a little bit about your journey um, what got you into it? And yeah, what brought you to here today? Sure. Um, so I have this insatiable need to learn all the time. Um, I'm constantly learning, constantly trying to find ways to be better. And um, what I started to notice coming from a journalistic background um, to start or a media background to start before I, I joined the agency. So I, I have the understanding of both worlds. Um, the needs of both. And so what I, I learned is like, you know, the the ability to take lots of information and distill it down to something that's understandable and usable is critical. Um, and the more and more that I started to use digital tools for this, um, I started to see and understand, okay, there's really a science to it. And it's really, it's kind of interesting because for me, um, data science is this it's where math and science right math and computer science meet artistry and that's what data storytelling is for me 
Um, so it really kind of blends things that I love. I love to learn new things and and be strategic and think about how things work and, and how to make things better and how do you tell that story. And so that's really what got me into it is like, you know, seeing how opportunities for my clients. And I was like, I think I need to learn more about this. And so I just, you know, like I do anything and anyone who knows me will tell you this is like, I don't just like dabble in it. I'm going to go head first into it. Um, and so that's really what I did is, is I just dove in and I started, you know, taking some classes and just started to really, the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. And so it's just kind of evolved and, and I started to get other people excited about it as well because clients were starting to see um, a, a difference, right? They're starting to see a difference in how their their media plans were working and, and the results of those. And then, hey, wait a minute, we might be onto something here. So then, you know, now the next department's like, well, maybe I should start looking at this. So then we create this whole new demand generation department and it's all about data and data science, um, you know, and it's just like, not that everyone else wasn't looking at data before, please don't, don't think that at all. Um, but, you know, just, I, I run into things very passionately and a client will tell you, I can tell when you really are excited about something, when you have the data to back it up, when you've done the predictive modeling to know, yes, this is going to work because of the energy that you bring to the meeting. You know, the energy that you bring to, to the discussion is like, we got to do this because Jamie believes in it and it's going to work, um, you know, and, and I've had clients literally tell me that before and, and they're like, and thank God it does. Um, but it's relying on that, that clean historical data, the, you know, the predictive models and it's, you know, going back to these ancient formulas and things um, and statistical models. And it's really, that, that's really what it is. It's, it's just listening to the data and not, not telling the data what you want it to tell you, but listening to what the data is really telling you. I think that is the perfect way to finish, Jamie. Thank you very much for your for your expertise. It's been really fascinating. I mean, I've learned a lot. I hope the listeners have too. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Big thank you to Jamie for sharing her time and expertise with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening, then please do consider leaving a review on your podcast provider of choice, sharing the episode on social media, or with a colleague that you think will enjoy listening to it. If you'd like to learn more information about how to run your own podcast, then visit azonetwork.com forward slash podcasts. I'll be back again soon with another guest for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thanks for listening.